Murphy exploded back onto the scene in 2019 when he played Rudy Ray Moore in Netflix's Dolomite Is My Name. In the film, we follow Rudy's journey as he develops the persona of Dolomite, to him eventually putting together a motion picture backed by his own cast, crew, and finances. Earnest and full of heart and the occasional motherfucker or two, this is Eddie at his best. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> the occasional motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Hey everyone and welcome to the AA matinee. I'm Amanda. And I'm Melissa. And we're discussing movies we recommend to each other. And this week is my pick. And I picked Dolomite Is My Name. The recently released Netflix movie with Eddie Murphy. Kind of his comeback. And this is a great biopic, but also just general comedy movie making movie that I thought would be fun to discuss. I love movies about making movies. I thought you would, yeah. Yeah. There's quite a few that I have to recommend, but they're mm-hmm. just, it's fun to see the process. Like, you know what the outcome is going to be. The outcome is that they're going to make a movie regardless. Yeah. But seeing how all of the, like, the personalities of the crew come together and everything is just, it's always fun and exciting. Yeah, and it's probably the funnest part of this movie. And I guess I... I've only seen it once before when it originally came out in late 2019, but I had forgotten how long it kind of takes to get to that point. We really start to get to them making, like, the movie Dolomite kind of around the hour mark, and before that we see him just developing his persona of Dolomite and then becoming a stand-up, like, a solid stand-up act till then he decides to make a movie and be on the big screen. So I don't know how you felt about, like, the transition to that. And it is a little, I noticed, like, there's probably 25 minutes they could have cut down from this movie. Yeah, I I agree. That's, like, my one, one critique about it is that I do Mm -hmm. wish that that first part was, like, chopped down. Because if it just focused more so on the movie making, I feel like it wouldn't have felt as rushed. Yeah. And it's interesting because, well, I just watched Dolomite, the movie that they're filming, the original movie with Rudy Ray Moore the other day. It's free on Tubi right now. And it was weird because some of those scenes that we see in the movie are in the original movie. (laughs) I guess they're taken from, like, other movies he made. Yeah. I was reading up on that. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe because Dolomite, there's not a lot of content in that movie. I think it's funny for what it is, is like a black exploitation kind of B-movie. It it has the whole thing of what he decides to do with the story of like making it drug-related and like him in prison. And there's like that element. But the car chase scene isn't in it, which is great. And the sex scene, those are kind of like the notable ones that aren't in that movie. Yeah, um, let me see here. I think the sex scene is in The Human Tornado, which came right after Dolomite. Oh, okay. Yeah. It is an interesting choice that they, like, they chose these, like, iconic scenes from other movies to, like, make Dolomite seem 
like more than what it was. Yeah, kinda. it's a little it's a little misleading, I guess, whenever you advertise it as like a retelling. But hey, are movies ever you know one hundred percent historically accurate? <laughs> no. Yeah, like t taking creative license, but it ends up working because I think the sex scene is the funniest scene in the movie. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it is great. Yeah, and. I, I, maybe we can just get into like talking about characters or whatever, but I just want to bring up Wesley Snipes, who is who is perfect, a, a plus. Yeah, you know. Um. Yeah, he's great because we kind of meet him, and he. I don't know much about like how like Dur Durville Martin. He's a real person, and I don't know like how, how accurate Wesley's portrayal of him is, but he adds this like. I don't know this great levity the movie like how he's this larger than life hollywood type mm -hmm. coming in to like be below his standards making this movie yeah right because everyone who is working on the film hasn't really done it before and there's actually a, a great like confrontation between rudy raymore and jerville martin because he's being like like snooty like you guys <laughs> don't know what you're doing and Rudy Raymore is just like, listen, man, we're all trying to, like, get this stuff done. Like, I will do whatever I need to do to get it yeah. done. He's like, if I have to feed the crew, I'll feed the crew, you know, do whatever. Yeah. And that's kind of like true movie making, even if, like, maybe it's not of the highest caliber, like, their vision, you know? But it it's true. Like, what they're doing, there's heart behind it. Yeah, it's a collaborative effort. Everyone has to pitch in. Mm-hmm. And there's a great line that, I don't know if it's during that, but Wesley, his character says, I am legit. I have an entertainment lawyer. Yeah. You know? I love that. And it's even funnier when, like, they, they're pitching him the movie in that strip club, and they want him to star in it, and, he, and he's like, we'll let you direct. And he gives, he just gives one look. Like, that's what he's been waiting for. Yeah. You know, he doesn't care what it, he just wants to direct because his creative vision, no, no one will, would understand it. Yeah. But he ends up getting this movie, which maybe isn't what he wanted, but. <laughs> yeah. I also love his, um, his monologue about John Cassavetes. Wasn't it how he, like, for his craft, like, he would do whatever it took or something along those yeah. lines? Yeah, yeah. And he just says, like, use whatever, whatever conflict you've faced to try to make this something that you want it to be. Mm -hmm. He says, use it, baby. <laughs> and what do you think of, like, the, because you're a former film student here, like, them showing the film crew, like, that kind of side? Yeah, I love that. Also, another uh, Wesley Snipes quote, is that your DP? How old is he? <laughs> and Eddie Murphy goes, 16? <laughs> he needs to know what a DP is. He's like... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they look like film student kids. I think, I think they are. Didn't, didn't he say that they're, like, from UCLA or something? No, I meant, like, the actors. I guess. They have that look. Oh, what, oh. What, you, what you perceive to be a film student. Yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and 
we kind of skipped it, but Eddie Murphy is amazing in this movie. Yeah, he is. And it's kind of funny because watching like Dolmite, the original one, he, Rudy Ray Moore, I, he kind of looks like Terrence. Is it Terrence Howard in the eyes a little bit? Hmm. Is that who I'm thinking of? But I'm so glad he didn't play him because it, that would have been a totally different movie. I yeah. think Eddie, Eddie Murphy was the right choice. Yeah, he does look like him. Yeah, I, I saw a little bit in the eyes, but like I don't think anybody but Eddie could do this movie and make it seem so genuine, but so kind of over the top. That's exactly the word that I was going to use. Yeah. He just brings a lot of... I know that he, like, grew up watching Ruby Ray Moore's films, so he brings a lot of that nostalgia into it. And you can tell that it means something to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... I don't... Another big kind of character in this movie, just because it's the 70s, and, like, with the characters he's portraying, are the costumes, which I find absolutely incredible. That green suit in the first half is, like, a dream to me. Oh, yeah. I love it. The one that stands out for me is the, when we meet uh, Durvel for the first time, that, like, patchwork hat in the jacket and the pants it's, yeah. it's very it's understated but it's super cool yeah and i don't know if ruth e carter was nominated for the oscar i think she was but i think like little women worn or something mm -hmm. i don't know how many how many costumes like the costumes and little women have been nominated? i know and and they didn't seem that great i don't know i'm not yeah. like a costume analysis person but you know yeah yeah it's I a think she did look the same yeah but I think she did end up winning for Black Panther okay correct? yeah and she also did the costumes in the new coming to America mm, that's cool yeah the movie is so so but the costumes are top-notch cool yeah <laughs> Just to throw that in. I love uh, Lady Reed as a character, played by uh, Divine Joy Randolph. She, she's amazing. Yeah, she's amazing. She's a great actress. But she brings, like, her character as, like, a comedic compliment to Rudy Ray Moore is, like, so, so great. They both They're just... Yeah, they're a great team. They joke around together, but there are moments where they take each other very seriously. Like in the in the scene where she's telling him that like she has never seen anyone like herself on the screen and it means a lot to her. It's really he takes it to heart, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can tell that they have a lot of respect for each other. I think it's like important that he's a good guy deep down and not like an asshole. You know, it'd be a different thing. Because he, he's wanted to be famous, but he's not an asshole, like, clawing to be famous, like, stepping on top of people. Yeah. He's, he, it's taken a long time, and he's done it on his terms. No, I was just gonna say, like, maybe he has that, like, gentle nature about him because he is older and has been working at it for so long. Yeah, and he's in that record store in the beginning. Snoop, <laughs> Snoop Dogg is yeah. kind of 
the resident DJ there. It's a great cameo. Yeah, and then he gets the whole persona of Dolomite by hearing these old stories from the elder, uh, like, black homeless men in the neighborhood. And he's accredited as kind of the godfather of rap, like, developing that style, using those stories, and then telling them in a way that makes, turns it into something else. Yeah. And made, made him a persona, kind of like, you know, a rapper along those lines. Also, and what I... Oh, go ahead. Go, go, go. (laughs) I guess I kind of said this in a form already, but I feel like sometimes biopics specifically can take themselves too seriously and they get bogged down with being, it's like the baseball movie theorem, if you will, (laughs) where they just get really sappy and like pseudo inspirational. But this, because it has the balance of comedy and, you know, like the seriousness of of basically this man's career that he's worked for, I feel like it it balances the two of those well and doesn't doesn't fall into that trap. Yeah, because it's great because well he was nominated for the Golden Globe for this. He didn't uh, like in the comedy musical category and Terrence Edgerton ended up winning for Rocket Man, which is also a great unconventional biopic. Um, Eddie wasn't nominated for the Oscar, which I find horrendous. I think, didn't Joaquin win the Oscar, right? Yeah, this is 2020, this would have been 2020. Yes. Yeah, which is, I guess, it's fine. (laughs) And he's just like, he hasn't been recognized by Hollywood in that way. He was, you know, famously snubbed for Dreamgirls, Mm -hmm. which I think kind of pissed him off, you know? I don't, don't, I don't remember who ended up winning, but it just seems like Hollywood has never taken him as seriously as maybe he wants to be when he's done certain roles. Sometimes comedic actors who cross over are, like, given a ton of credit or none at all. It's kind of incredible this year. Like, Borat is, you know, they won a bunch of Golden Globes now, like the Oscars. It's kind of, the comedy has kind of taken over. Yeah, right. And they famously stumped comedy. And this is, like, this is everything, like, you know, the biopic, what the Oscars kind of want, or what, you know, everyone's kind of, like, clamoring to make, but makes it interesting. It doesn't feel like it's, like, the, a by-the-numbers biopic, like you said before. Do you have any other, like, favorite quotes or scenes you want to point out? Um, when they blow up the car, <laughs> the guy who's, like, friend? Oh. Yeah, what is his name? Well, they blow up his cousin's car, which was not, which he didn't know about, and he screams, fuck a dead duck, (laughs) which is pretty great. That whole car sequence is amazing, when they're just, like, riding down the hill, and the camera's in there, you know, you get to see, like, all that behind the scenes, great stuff. Yeah. Whenever the car drives through the giant puddle. Yeah. (laughs) Durville screams, I'm brown sugar, I melt. He has, like, the umbrella, like, the parasol. Yeah, the lacy umbrella. Yeah, to shade him. <laughs> yeah. I also love the, the scene where they um, steal the electricity from the uh, building next door, and everything in the hotel lights up. Yeah. It feels, like, really dangerous, like, they're gonna blow up the hotel, but it also... <laughs> 
turns into a, a great um, a great demonstration of movie magic. Yeah, absolutely. The whole like like turning on the lights and everything. Yeah, everyone claps. It's nice. And something I noticed more in like the second watch, maybe it, it might have been like an an intentional theme, but kind of like especially when he's going to try to pitch the movie to people, comparing the stories that Hollywood wanted to see or thought people wanted to see and like put out there versus the stories that actual Black people wanted to go to. Yeah. I don't know if you yeah. kind of like picked up on that or thought that was an interesting kind of point that still seems relevant today. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of the the issue with the machine of the studio system. That's always mm -hmm. been the issue. I mean, for as long as you'll have studio systems. Because they're out of touch. They, yeah, they're out of touch and they exist purely to, to make money. Mm -hmm. So, of course, they're going to do something that they feel is like going to bring that in versus something that might appeal more to, I don't know, general audiences. Yeah, and I don't know if, like, the reaction was what it was like in the movie, you know, like, all those people, but that's a great way to end it, and it, it's just, like, true to, like, the sense of the movies and, you know, what we want to see. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah. I think that's all I have, unless you want to throw else in, anything else in there. Um, yeah, so I did a, just a quick search for movies about movies, also because I wanted to, mm. you know, hone in on my recommendations, but I couldn't find any other movies about movies that had, like, a mostly Black cast. So what I would love to see is more biopics like this one um, that pertain to Black film history, especially now that we have more Black films being restored and made accessible on streaming services. There's so much cultural history to be learned from that. And I feel like that's just another, it's something that we're going to start seeing more as time goes on. Yeah, I hope so. But that's all I have. All right. So out of 10 motherfuckers, how, what would you rate this movie? I'm going to give it eight motherfuckers because I do think that the first hour dragged on too much. I would have liked to see it cut back. But other than that, I really enjoyed it. Yay! I would also give it eight. I rated it a nine the first time because I think I was just like so hyped about it, but bring it down to an eight. We've been on the same page two weeks in a row. Nice, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. And what other recommendations would you give? Um, Ed Wood. I actually just heard, like, right before we started recording, that this was written by the same people who wrote Ed Wood. It's, once again, people making a movie that have never really made a movie before. It's one of my favorite, like, Johnny Depp roles. It's one of my favorite Tim Burton movies. It has a lot of great supporting characters. Um, Shadow of the Vampire with Willem Dafoe. This one is definitely like more of a fictional take on the making of um, Nusferatu in the early 20s. Um, 
everyone on the set is trying to figure out whether or not Max Shrek, the main actor in Nusferatu, is actually a vampire. So it adds a lot of like fantasy elements and uh, it's, it's like an interesting blend of biopic and horror. And um, Boogie Nights has got to be my favorite movie about making movies. It's fictionalized, um, has a great ensemble cast, Don Cheadle, um, Mark Wahlberg, uh, a million people. There's so many people in that movie. It has a great soundtrack. Yeah. Anytime Alyssa can talk about Boogie Nights. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Let me just slip it in there. No, that would be like a fun episode because I haven't seen that movie in a while. I know we've both seen it, but just, you know, talking about that more. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. 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 And my rec recommendations uh, another movie with Eddie Murphy, Bowfinger, came out in the late 90s. Steve Martin stars, stars in it and he wrote it, kind of tackling the premise of Eddie Murphy plays this famous Hollywood actor. I can't remember his name, but they want, Steve Martin wants to get him for this movie that he's had someone write, and he says no, and he decides, what if we shoot it without him knowing? They film him and following him with a camera, you know, and, and it ends up making him crazy, because the movie's about aliens and this whole thing, and he ends up going crazy, and then they find, like, Eddie Murphy's twin, huh. who, like, doubles some parts. It's really interesting. And just, I've like, never even heard of it. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it might still be on HBO Max, but it's just really fun. And just like what the lengths they go to to kind of like, you know, film him. And then like he's in this like church that's kind of like Scientology, but it's not. It's called something else, you know? Yeah. Like famous actors at the time, you know? And then I would just recommend Dolomite again. I think it's not as good as maybe what you would think it would be like based on the scenes we see in this movie but i think it's it's kind of become a cult classic amongst the black exploitation movies and it's just really funny they kind of have like the karate stuff in there which is mentioned you know it gets like the girl army and is her name lady reed in the movie um but she's like i tr i put your girls through karate school <laughs> while you were out and it the plot is, I don't know, it's incomprehensible pretty much, but <laughs> it's fun if, especially if you're high on certain substances, I'm sure. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some recent watches. Um, Tetsuo the Iron Man. It's like a body horror cult film from the late 80s, I believe. Um, it's a highly visceral tale of a man who starts turning into a machine. Um, definitely sensory overload. There's a stellar industrial score. It's only an hour long, and I don't think it could be any longer than that without, like, making you go crazy. So, <laughs> love it. I'm glad that I've finally seen it because it's been on my list for years. Um, and then right after that, I watched Eraserhead, which is basically Tetsuo's daddy. It's about the fears of being a daddy. So there you have it. There's a tadpole baby. There's uh, also industrial sounds. There's a lady who lives in the main character's radiator. She sings. It's great. 
and I also watched um, Wolf's Hole. It's a Czech horror film about a group of students uh, participating in a skiing workshop, though their instructors are definitely, uh, they're more than they seem to be on the surface. Um, one of the instructor's names is also Daddy. <laughs> so that's where I'm at this week. Oh, um, <laughs> daddy issues here. <laughs> a lot of daddy issues this week. Um, <laughs> it's an atmospheric horror for sure. Good and weird. Wow. I, I love how all this has a theme. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I kind of have a theme. All of these titles I'm going to mention have an animal in them, which I didn't realize. Um, <laughs> so I just watched Godzilla vs. Kong last night just dropped on HBO Max. It gave me pretty much what I wanted. You know, there's too many human characters. <laughs> like, they're, they're kind of, the plot is so convoluted. You can follow it, but it's just unnecessary. We, we really only want to see Godzilla and Kong. And Kong gets a lot of screen time. He's super adorable in this, you know, Team Kong. But, like, we don't need to see Stellan Skarsgård acting, like, confused, but, like, kind of hot. Like, it's not necessary. It doesn't it's advance anything. It's purely the eye candy. It's purely the eye candy. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little girl that is great. There's a deaf girl that's amazing. But other than that, no. Um, and then I revisited Reservoir Dogs, which I had not seen in, like, years. You know, and I'd kind of forgotten bits and pieces of this movie. And, yeah, it really holds up, of course. You know, I know I've given Quentin some shit, but I really love him you know i love his movies and you know, the music is you know of, co of course holds up and then i watched 12 monkeys for the first time it's been on my watch list for a while i don't know if you've seen it yeah i actually saw it for the first time recently too yeah it was not what i thought it was going to be I, I didn't really read the premise beforehand but i thought it was going to be like bruce willis like kicking ass <laughs> going back <laughs> in time but he turns in a really vulnerable performance and makes you think about, you know, life and, you know, our mental state and how we, like, and scientists, like how the scientists are the bad guys. And then Brad Pitt is really good in it as this crazy, you know, person who's, he's, he's kind of masterminded, you know? Yeah. I feel like I have to watch it again to get a more deeper perspective, but it was good. All right. How are you going to torture me, Alyssa? <laughs> um, uh, torture is out of the question, I think, for this week. I think you'll be all right. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, not to say that torture will not be involved in weeks ahead. So <laughs> always be on your toes. Um, always am. Yeah. I'm going to have you watch One Sings the Other Doesn't, which is a um, 1977 Agnes Varda film. It's part drama. It's filmed sort of like a documentary. It's part musical, kind of. Um, honestly, it's like one of the most heartfelt stories of female friendship that I've ever seen. So, oh, that. yeah, 
it like follows two friends who have been like separated for quite some time and they like reconvene and just like the places that they're at in life how they vary but they still um they still have a lot in common yeah i'm excited because i don't think i've seen an agnes farda film and i always hear so much about her I think this might actually be our first female-directed film on the podcast, too, is it? Um... Top of my head? It probably is. Which is crazy that we haven't... Yeah. But, yeah. She's a a master. Truly. Yeah, I've seen, like, memes of her. (laughs) Or, like, I saw a picture recently. It was, like, her, Martin Scorsese, and Guillermo del Toro somewhere parting it up yeah yeah I'm excited about this this is a good pick yeah me too I'm looking forward to watching it again because I I loved it I loved it so much the first time that I saw it I bought it like immediately after mm-hmm. yeah well I'm looking forward to next week's episode yes all right folks Check out uh, Dolomite Is My Name on Netflix, and we'll see you back here next week for One Sings the Other Doesn't. Dolomite is my name, and fuck it up, motherfuckers, is my game.